What's up, guys? Michael Zakandi, your host of the Our Future podcast, and today I'm joined by Michael Corcoran, head of new initiatives for Amazon Prime video channels. Together, we dive deep into the new dynamic in the business of entertainment. We go behind the scenes in the streaming wars and really discuss what the future holds for how we consume content, especially as it comes to streaming. To get started, guys, I want to take a moment of silence for George Floyd and the people across this country and around the world who must see the ugly face of racism every day. We won't tolerate it anymore. I think it's really interesting to think about Amazon in context of all its tentacles into every product on the planet. But when we look at Amazon Prime Video and, and you're working specifically in that business, what really stands out to you and as the competitive advantage of the entertainment unit of Amazon specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's one from the perspective of being a video service like, like a Netflix, right, or a Hulu for Prime Video there's a huge kind of built-in advantage in that we have kind of a, you know, subscriber base as part of the broader, you know, prime membership program. Uh, and so where Netflix and Hulu and others, you know, they have to fight, scratch, claw, right, to get and then keep their subscribers based on their content alone. You know, Amazon's kind of got a broader thing they're offering them. And prime video is one of those things. So it's sort of a bit of a different context. Um, on the other hand, right, the, the, not the downside, but just the challenge, right, is being in prime video is um, Amazon's a big company with a lot of priorities and rightly so. And so, you know, prime video needs to always be showing kind of the value it brings, right, and why it should continue to always be a priority. Um, and as someone who's in that business, because I love media and entertainment, and that's kind of my background, um, you know, versus just being a straight up Amazonian, hmm. uh, you know, that's, that's part of, you know, that's the challenge in terms of, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, Amazon's still excited about prime video. For sure. Let's talk about another challenge here. You know, the trade-off between quantity and quality. Amazon's, you know, had some crazy sweet Emmy wins uh, with a bunch of hit series that it has developed as a studio and, and, and made those shows and movies in, uh, in-house. Um, yeah. How, how, when you're ahead of new initiatives, right? So you're like, you're like spearheading the, the new stuff. How, how, do you, how do you go about your personal meter of, you know, what's going to be really excellent and what's going to fill the library? and provide breadth? It's, first of all, certainly certainly not just me. Uh, so I have a lot of humility about kind of my role in everything. But at the same time, what I would say is that, um, you know, Amazon approaches everything, asks, challenges its, its folks to approach everything from the mindset of thinking big um, and not doing something if it ultimately doesn't have the potential to be very big. Um, Amazon will make things that um, could appeal to very specific, you know, niche audiences and particular genres or particular, you know, styles of film. Um, and that's good. And that's kind of good um, complementary content that keeps things interesting for the service. But at the same time, ultimately wanted to be doing really big things that appeal to mass audiences, just like Amazon itself appeals to a pretty broad, diverse, you know, mass audience of consumers, not just in the U S but globally. Definitely. Um, 
And so that really becomes, you know, sort of the, the, the North star, you know, in terms of what any, any one thing you're trying to do, you know, you sort of assess it through that lens. I think in the past, like it was really a limiting factor if your production didn't have broad or mass appeal, but now on these big platforms, you know, we can get international, you know, movies and TV shows that really will, you know, make a splash in another foreign country, not so much maybe in the U S but now that's possible. Uh, do you see the, the real growth? Uh, I know Netflix has really been targeting international lately and, and so have the rest of the cohort. Um, is, is that where you see a big opportunity? Look, looking abroad, looking beyond our shores? I, I definitely think that it's a huge growth area. I mean, not just for Amazon. I mean, for, for, for anyone, both. And I think you, you pointed it out, which is not only just in terms of having, um, you know, an, a, a, an over-the-top video service, uh, in each of these kind of territories or regions, but also in terms of um, kind of the the sourcing and the movement of content, you know, around the world. So opening folks' eyes to the possibilities of the quality of Spanish or Korean uh, content, you know, uh, and and seeing that there's a base of consumers or customers who can get really excited about it, you know, outside of those uh, those territories, money heist from Netflix, um, as, as, as an example, or, you know, Parasite obviously winning best picture. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the part that I think, um, you know, is, is exciting and where there's certainly uh, a lot of growth, like relative to the way we all used to see things, which was probably much more kind of myopically focused, particularly in the U S uh, on Hollywood content. I really like the choice we have nowadays. I feel like, you know, as entertainment consumers, we've kind of been liberated in a sense. But I want to talk about, like, continue on that string of international content. And please don't believe me to be naive when I ask this question. Why can't a guy in Korea, a guy in Georgia, and a guy in, uh, say, India, and a guy in France not all have access to the exact same catalog on a streaming service? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's one that, uh, you know, we hear from our customers, uh, and I'm sure Netflix does as well, because they, you know, they think of these, these big services and these big tech companies as kind of ubiquitous around the world. At the same time, the people who actually make the content and, you know, produce and create it, uh, they're not necessarily always us, right? So we get content from uh, independent production companies and studios, you know, who who uh, you know make great films or TV shows, and when they do that, they uh, you know they turn around and they offer those up to the market, and sometimes they do that in a way where someone like us or Netflix can you know buy the uh, acquire the rights to those shows you know on like a global basis, but other times they you know they play the the sort of the game of arbitrage of, of trying to you know cut the rights up uh, around the world uh, with the calculus in their minds, that they can make more money if they cut them up and sort of sell, sell packages of those rights in different regions. I'd say that that's the trend is heading toward more global kind of ubiquity of availability and rights. I think with, with companies like Amazon and Netflix and others who have these global services, um, you know, there's more of that kind of an appetite to have, content available, just like you're saying, uh, in different markets, the same content. Um, and we see the value in it. And we're certainly willing to pay for it as our, you know, our, our competitors. 
but at the same time, it probably will never be, it'll never be fully that way. There will always be uh, some who prefer to parse things out or, or, or kind of cut things up, but I think you'll see less of it in the future than you've seen uh, in the past. Let's talk about the National Football League. Thursday Night Football is on Amazon Prime. I just talked to an executive at the Bills as part of this podcast, also a Ross alum, and he talked about whether they're planning cool. a season for the, for the fall. That could be more important than ever for Amazon if there is a season that is only streamable, right, that, that you can't even physically go to. And we saw the NFL draft have more viewers in, than any draft in history. There is a huge demand for this stuff, especially as people continue to be sequestered and, and quarantined. Uh, you, yeah. What's the future of streaming sports and stuff uh, on Amazon? Is that is that something you guys are thinking about? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's an area that's uh, pretty uh, hot. So I can't comment too much on sort of a go forward basis. But what I can say is that, you know, again, for Amazon, just having, you know, sort of selection of content uh, available is a huge priority. And, you know, obviously sports and live sports content in particular is something that, um, you know, viewers and, and consumers just, you know, love. And, and, and you've seen the, the ratings uh, in linear TV, right? You know, as, as linear TV ratings have been declining, um, you know, the one thing that's kind of been holding things up has been live sports. Challenges, though, is just that, uh, you know, the folks who own the rights to those sports, like the NFL, you know, they, they know how valuable that content is to them, too. And they know that it's what's keeping them kind of going in this world of declining cord cutting, et cetera. And so, you know, they're willing to pay whatever it takes to keep that. Uh, and so uh, it gets very expensive very quickly. And it probably will only get more expensive the next time all these big leagues have their major rights renewals. Um, and so for Amazon or anyone else who's thinking about you know, going after those things, um, you know, ultimately they're still going to have to make probably some kind of a financial assessment as to whether or not it's worthwhile. So Amazon just acquired the Lord of the Rings intellectual property to, to do some Amazon original prequel series streaming, uh, some kind of series related to, to Lord of the Rings, you know, a very, very famous franchise. I, I yeah. have this question for, for you being on the kind of an insider in these, this, this new dynamic. Um, do you think that that people are like the streaming platforms might be overpaying for IP right now, just because it's such a hot time, you know, like when the stock market's hot, you, you pay a premium for stocks. It, it, you know, is, is that the case with content right now? I think that, uh, you know, the uh, content pricing, you know, for sort of new shows and, and, and library content, um, particularly on the television side has been um, the pricing has been spiking over the last sort of, three to five years. Um, and, you know, I'd say for the last kind of probably 18 months, you know, people have been asking the question of whether or not we're sort of at the, the peak. And then just as people were asking that question as to whether or not things were peaking, right, all the media companies started consolidating. They are all now chasing after sort of the same limited pool of creators and talent who, you know, make the best stuff, right? And, so, and those folks, and basically play like the, the bidding war to say, okay, am I going to be exclusive to Warner Brothers or exclusive to Disney or exclusive to Amazon or what have you? And you've seen that play out where like Ryan Murphy left Fox and, you know, 
uh, went to uh, he was Netflix, et cetera. So you, and, you know, Oprah signing a deal with Apple. Yeah. And when you go, when you go, when you go into the into a meeting with these guys, are you kind of like, oh, like they're going to go to Netflix next? Like they're, they're sort of on their schedule. You know, are you are you are you like thinking sure. about that in the back of your head when when you're in these meetings? Oh yeah, no. Everyone knows that everyone's just rotating around town. You know, trying hmm. to you know shop shop their shows or shop themselves as showrunners or, you know, um, content, you know, kind of creators or producers. Would you call it a war right now? Or is that too belligerent of a term? Like, is it, is it a battle out there? I'd certainly say it's a, it's a healthy competition for the talent. Like, right. I'll, like there's a, there's a, there's a competitive, there's a competition going on to get the best talent and to be working with the best talent to make sure that, you know, your, your platform or your service ends up having really great quality content. Um, I'd say the services themselves in terms of it being a war. I mean, I think not, I, I, I'd say it's more of a, uh, you know, uh, a healthy competition, especially as consumers and, you know, cut the cord and, you know, more and more of them are looking for kind of, over-the-top, on-demand ways to be entertained. I know, since you're on the business side and, you know, a lot of business students listen to this podcast, this is a question I've always had. When you add a new show to Amazon Prime, how do you measure the ROI, the return on investment of that show when it's in a sea of, of other titles? Yep. Yeah, so I, I, I can't speak to Amazon specifically <laughs> just because proprietary of it all, but I can tell you, I mean, having, because I was at Hulu before Amazon and I was at Sony, Selling, you know, being part of shows that were sold to uh, to Netflix and and Hulu and, and and Amazon, you know, I'd say generally speaking, just from an you know industry perspective with these services, there's basically two big um, two big kind of uh, measures that you're looking at. One is acquisition of subscribers, if we're talking about a subscription service, uh, and the second is retention of those subscribers, and so you'll assess a show or a movie for its potential to acquire subscribers because perhaps you say, you know, gosh, we, uh, we're light on comedy and we have, you know, people who haven't been subscribing to the art, to our service because, and the re number one reason they cite is because they, they're looking for comedies, you know, specials and we don't have them. Right. And so you might assess the show and the, the potential for that show to add value by adding subscribers, you know, through that lens. But at the same time, you might look at the other side of the equation and say, man, like, got these people that have been canceling in droves lately. What's going on? And then you, you kind of, you look at the data and you see the reason they're canceling is because, I don't know, we've been running out of reality TV content and they've just watched it all, right? And so you say, we got we to shore that up. And we know that if we have it, this is how many hours of it people watch and that kind of keeps them happy and keeps them from canceling and uh and that sort of part part of what helps you justify how much you're willing to pay for it you know how you measure it i want to conclude with your advice to young people who are interested in the field of entertainment well you know from the angle of uh being kind of like you said it's just it can be like not intuitive how to get in um and especially when you're from coming from a, you know far if you're in if you're in ann arbor or somewhere else like i think a lot of times you can feel like okay, there's these big movie studios, there's Netflix and Amazon, and that's it. But actually, like, if you're here in LA, or you're in, in a place where there's a lot of, you know, kind of entertainment work going on, 
that's far from it. In fact, that's just a very narrow slice. There's just so many kind of production companies and, you know, uh, post-production studios and service companies and folks doing stuff like you're doing kind of podcasting or a variety of things now with TikTok and TikTok homes in LA. Like there's so many ways to be participating in entertainment. And I would just encourage folks to think very like expansively about what that is and not just kind of be too narrowly focused on, you know, one big brand name or a few big brand names that you're familiar with. And then once you get in and get your foot in the door in any one of those places, you'll see there's a lot of movement around, around, around the, around the industry. And uh, if you take that approach, you know, it really opens up, you know, a lot more opportunities uh, than you may realize there are. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Michael Corcoran, head of new initiatives for Amazon Prime video channels. Hope everybody's staying safe, and I really hope that we can come together in this really tough moment instead of being divided further. Can't wait to see you guys on Friday.